The web's Michael Smith. It's episode 155 of Kane's Cast. And you know what? What's that? We have got some scheduling to figure out. Really just rocking out to that sweet theme music. Still going strong. Still going strong. 155 episodes in. Just like Stormbrew. Oh, The official always. beer of the Carolina Hurricanes and the official sponsor of Kane's Cast. Always strong. It's just 97 calories and 2.4 carbs, Michael Smith. It is the perfect beverage, a light, refreshing lager that goes well with anything, any time of year, but in particular, Carolina Hurricanes hockey. Yes, it does. It's from our friends at R&D Brewing who uh, craft a number of delicious beverages. If uh, a light, refreshing lager somehow isn't your choice, you can go for uh, you can go for a, a Mexican lager, maybe the Riviera or a Seven Saturdays. That's good. Or if you're if you're into the hard seltzers, you can go for the Isla uh, brand that that they brew. They have a, a few flavors: key lime, tropical, lemon, raspberry, yep. and they're all very delicious. Yeah, and I am. Not a, a seltzer guy. I don't go out of my way to get that, but the Islas are outstanding. And, of course, Storm Brew, as the season is getting closer. We know that the puck will drop for the NHL on January 13th. The Cane season opens up January 14th in Detroit. Have some Storm Brews ready for that one. Have them on hand. Thank you. So, yeah, hurricane season is uh, upon us. Close. It's very close. Uh, training camp opens up in less than a week, which is... Very soon. And 11 days later, the Hurricanes will drop the puck yep. on the 56-game schedule in Detroit. Uh, coincidentally, where the Hurricanes also last played a hockey game. Yeah. In Some Detroit. symmetry there. Yes. But nonetheless, the Canes, you look at the schedule, it's what we knew it was going to be. You're going to play seven opponents eight times over the course of three-plus months. And if you're Carolina, I think that, the schedule makers, you can look at this any way you want. Oh, you know, is, is there a favor a favorable spot here in the schedule? Isn't there? I, I look at the one thing where the Canes have eight games in a row at home in April. You know, that's a, a spot where you can say, get right. You don't have to travel. You don't have to sit in a hotel room for seven straight days. There's going to be a couple of those trips, though, for the Canes, just because this is the nature of how everything works out. But I, I like that the schedule is going to be basically – a mini baseball series. You're going to play everybody two games in a row and then off to your next uh, series with whoever you're going to play. Yeah. It's um, it really, every uh, really every game, uh, but a few are grouped into sets of two. So you're in a city for a couple of days, you play a couple of games or a team comes here for a number of days uh, and plays a couple of games. Um, and that's, it's all designed with, the idea of limiting travel. So this whole season, you know, uh, staging a season during a pandemic that is, in fact, still going on, uh, even as the vaccine now, um, you know, starts to be administered around the nation, which is which is excellent, and we're on the right track. There's a light at the end of the tunnel, but there is still a pandemic happening. So in order to stage a season and do so successfully, uh, the league has to uh, minimize risk of exposure. And one way to do that is to, to limit travel. And obviously there's the, uh, uh, the issue with the, the Canadian U S border. Yeah. You can't travel across it. If you do it, or if you even can, there's a, there's a quarantine involved. So playing those teams in Canada, the, those seven teams is out of the question. Uh, so that's why you have three divisions within the United States. And then 
to even further limit travel, uh, you play the entirety of your 56-game schedule and the first two rounds of the playoffs within your own division. Um, so that helps uh, that helps limit travel. And then, uh, you know, just making it so the Hurricanes don't have to make three or four trips out to Dallas or three or four trips out to Nashville. They're just making two. Uh, yeah. they, they make one trip, play two games. They make another trip, they play two games. That makes it easier on everyone involved. Um, helps limit the amount of time that you're going to be spending in an airplane, uh, spending in a hotel, spending yep. in uh, a foreign city. Um, so excluding the, I think there are four one-off games uh, that the Hurricanes will play in the season, uh, which then equates to 26 two-game series, more or less. Um, that's how the 56 schedule, 56 game schedule uh, is going to break down. But as you mentioned, you have these uh, long stretches on the road, but you also have these long stretches at home. And, um, you know, that stretch that you mentioned from April 3rd to April 17th, where the Hurricanes will play eight straight games at home yep. at a pretty critical time of the year, you know, down the stretch of the season, uh, that could be a, a huge tipping point for this team. Oh, absolutely. And those one-off games you talk about are against two teams, Columbus and Detroit. Yeah. So basically in their here at PNC arena, that's the thing that I circle the most in, in the schedule for Carolina, that from April 3rd to April 17th, the Hurricanes do not leave the state of North Carolina. And that's where you either solidify your playoff position or where you make your run to make sure that you get in. And the way that the division stacks up, I really think that the schedule makers did Carolina a favor. I don't know what would be better, you know, to be on the road for three days and home for three days and, you know, ping-ponging back and forth like that. Uh, I think that if we're going to do this, I would rather be on the road for eight days and then home for eight days. Yeah, it's it's kind of a trade-off because you, you gone are those sort of, uh, uh, you know, trips where you sort of slingshot around yeah. the United States. You're not uh, here one night getting on a plane and playing in another city the next night. Yeah. You know, all your back-to-backs are either um, here against the same team or on the road against the same team. So that's, yes, the Hurricanes have 10 back-to-backs on their schedule, but they're, none of them involve There's no travel. traveling between games, and they're all against the same team. So it's a, it's a chance for a quick rematch, uh, which will be you know, a storyline to watch throughout the season because you might have a game where some bad blood you know, develops, and then the next night you're seeing them again. Um, uh, there's one instance where the Hurricanes play Columbus four games in a row, a little mini playoff series uh, in the middle of the season. Yep, in March. In March. So um, that's the only instance of that. I'm kind of surprised you didn't see that more with just the limited amount of opponents. But yeah, from March 18th to March 25th, it's you're facing Columbus and in, in four straight games um, and, and, and games against Columbus, uh, the, the Rod Brindamore's team versus John Tortorella's team, they kind of play a same yep. sort of uh, very structured system. Uh, you know, those could be some, some grinding games. Um, but yeah, I, you know, the, from, from the hurricane standpoint, uh, you know, I, I think they find themselves in a in a beneficial division. I mean, we've talked about on this podcast just how much of a meat grinder the Metropolitan Division is. Yeah. Like it's it's just stacked with um, with teams that have high talent that uh, that typically have some higher payrolls too. And the Hurricanes now are among those teams um, who are who are spending closer to the cap, and some of that is by. Uh, and some of that is is kind of due to the the cap remaining flat here uh, for these next couple of years. But uh, I think the the division that the Hurricanes are in, this newly formed Central Division, really gives them a chance to. I mean, 
depending on how Tampa Bay comes out of the gate, depending on if they have any sort of Stanley Cup hangover, they're going to be without Nikita Kucherov. Uh, the Hurricanes have a chance to to win the Central Division. Sure. I uh, We'll get into that in a second. We'll yeah. also talk with Kane's first-round draft pick, Seth Jarvis, 13th overall from the Portland Winterhawks, coming up here on Kane's cast. We'll get to uh, the expectations and how they have definitely been raised for the Hurricanes in a second. Just for the schedule, not putting the cart in front of the horse, I like how this breaks out because I don't think this gets boring. Right, And I know some people will say seeing the same opponent that much can. These are pretty much new opponents for the Carolina Hurricanes yep. for this kind of regular basis. Uh, outside of you know, a, a team that you're looking at like Columbus, who's in your division if you're the Carolina Hurricanes, everybody else is new, is fresh, that you're going to see this much. I think you're going to see a rivalry born out of this just because of of how many times you play a team in the playoffs, I think, are going to be outstanding. Yeah. Because you've seen this team eight times, and now you're going to have to play them, you know, a minimum of four, a maximum of seven to advance to the next round. You're going to get uh, – I I won't go to the level for fans who remember the Avalanche and Red Wings hatred that they had over the years, but you're going to get a rivalry born out of this. And rivalries make pro sports, any kind of sport, that much better. And I can't wait for that. And I think that the way that the the schedule breaks for this team and some of the things right now, just based on injury with what Michael said, taking a look, Tampa Bay is not going to have their best player. Nikita Kucherov is going to be shelved for this year. Tampa Bay is still going to be really good. That's correct. So they still have Victor Hedman, Andre Vasilevsky, Tyler Johnson. They don't have to move. There was questions of what were they going to be able to do. They now have, thanks to long-term injury and making a couple of deals here and there, they have enough room to bring in Tyler Johnson, who you could argue was their best forward in the postseason. That includes you know, Nikita Kucherov, although Kucherov, as we find out, was not 100%, but who is at that point in time when you're talking about a playoff grind. Dallas has a lot of injuries to key players. Yep, Tyler Sagan and Ben Bishop both out until somewhere around March, which is a good half of the season. Yep. Um, so that puts a lot on Anton Hudobin uh, for that starting role. And and he showed in the playoffs that, that he can carry a, a team for a, a certain period of time. But then you, you kind of wonder how long can can he really do it? Because, again, the schedule is, is, is pretty tightly packed. Uh, on it, not as dense as I thought it would be. No. Um, April's pretty dense. Uh, but uh, Well, I but, think that April's rather smart. I don't know why you have to insult it like that. No, that's true. It is my birthday month, so. See? I have to take it easy. It gave us you. It did. And for that, we're either thankful or concerned. One of the two. Probably a little both. <laughs> Yeah, that's a little fair. column A, a little column B. But uh, I expected March to be a little busier. I guess, you know, if, if you want to look at it in terms of a normal schedule, April this year is kind of March in a normal year. That that last month before um, you finish up in, in early May and go into the playoffs. But but yeah, it's uh you get new opponents. You get three Western Conference teams um, in in Nashville, um, Chicago, and, and, and Dallas. Teams that the Hurricanes combined faced six times in the last, I don't know, seven years or yeah. so uh, since the last realignment took place. And now they're going to see him eight times a piece. So uh, it, it's exciting when you get to see 
you know, some of this new blood um, and some new rivalries formed. Detroit, I, we're a long way removed from the, the 2002 Stanley Cup Finals. And obviously, and Detroit is a long way removed yes, from yes, having that are. kind of team. And the organizations are very different, but uh, I'm sure Rod Brindamore, you know, remembers that. Um, I'm sure uh, it's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, that matchup maybe uh, grow in intensity as this year goes. Detroit's going to be better. They're still not going to be good, no. but they're going to be better than they were last year. But just to what you were talking about with the schedule, I like how the NHL has mapped out the schedule because you're playing 56 games, Michael, in basically, what, 100 days, 115 days? Yeah, give or take, probably. Uh, and You have to give players rest. You have to give them space because there's not going to be your bye week. There's not going to be your all-star game where guys can get a week, four or five days here and there to, to steal and, and rest up if they have something nagging. So while this is a bit of a meat grinder schedule because of how condensed it is, I think that the league actually did a really good job as far as not having, you know, 15 back-to-backs. You know, if you played more than half of your schedule back-to-back, you're just yeah. asking well for bad things to happen. And, and then to the other side of how the schedule looks and why I'm with you, I like the Canes, uh, not a dark horse to win the division, but to be the team to win the division with Tampa Bay. Because, again, I'm not going to rule out Tampa until we, we see them, but you can't get any slow starts this year. The Canes are, for the most part, healthy and they're ready to take that next step. They're kind of where Tampa Bay was a few years ago, yeah. and the Canes are, are starting to knock on that door. But Tampa and Dallas, if we're talking about talent, and these were the two teams that went to the Stanley Cup final, right. the last one we saw, that who would you put in front of Carolina? They've got some injuries to key players, and one guy is not going to be there. Then you take a look. So the top might not be as top-heavy as you want. The bottom... There are two teams that are clearly at the bottom of the division, but they're in, in two different directions. And the thing that scare me about them is Detroit has Steve Eiserman, and he's going to build that franchise into something great. I thought you were going to say he's going to play. We're, we're not ruling it out. If you're Detroit, you wish if, that if, 19 if, would come out of the rafters. If he laces them up, uh, look for Roddy to lace them up too. Could you imagine that? Fourth lines being anchored by Rod Brindamore and Steve Eiserman over this schedule? Hey, uh, one game. Who's uh, you know? Why not? Yeah, why not? Let's Put themselves it. on the taxi squad. Yeah, just you know, leave that space there. Let's go for it. Sign for the veteran minimum. See what you can do. That's a general manager and a coach trying to help their team out. I'm in. I'm all in on this one. That's a that could actually be a. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. You look, you just came up with one without trying. That's yes. how easy it is. And I'm taking my own. Yes, and I'm taking that one as well. Yeah. But Iserman will have Detroit. They're they're still going to be the bottom of the division, but they'll be tougher to play against. They have talent. They brought in some veterans to try to teach the core that they have there. Okay, this is what we need to do. Yeah, they're not going to be pushovers. Like you're going to earn points against them. And then the other team is Chicago. Yeah. And of all the teams in the division, I keep saying I don't know what Florida is. Florida has a bunch of talent. I just don't know if that meshes. Chicago is the team I can't get a read on because for 56 games, if one of their goalies, either Subban or uh, Delia, figure it out, you still have Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, a bunch of guys who have a lot of pride in some promising young players who – 
Ask the Edmonton Oilers about the Chicago Blackhawks in the postseason yeah. and what they did. You can never go into a game where you have a game-breaker like Kane and a captain like Taves on the other team thinking, well, this is a layup tonight. You can't do that. So the bottom of the division, I don't think there's any free lunch in, in this division, and, and that's the, the tough thing. There are teams that you should beat. If you play Detroit eight times and you're going to win the division, you got to beat them six. Yeah. Ideally, you go eight and no, but yeah, there's going to be. But there's like minimums. Like you, you've got to go against teams like Chicago and Detroit. If we're saying they're at the bottom of of this central division, you need to get twenty four points. Yeah, off of those teams. Yeah, and 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 I think that's that's totally doable. Um, Detroit is going to be better than they were. Chicago. I'm not really sure what to make of Chicago. Florida, as you mentioned, is I think a bunch of like spare parts and that the spare parts are all talented or not all of them but a lot of them are but how do they fit together but they still have Joel Quinville behind the bench they still have Sergei Bobrovsky who could figure it out at net perhaps Um, but you know when you look at the top four teams in the division making the playoffs to me I think that's Tampa Bay it's Carolina uh, it's Dallas in all likelihood and and then it's probably Nashville or Columbus, maybe Columbus sneaks in, maybe Florida sneaks in. That's where I think uh, teams like Chicago and Detroit are going to struggle. I put, I put Columbus right now. And I mean, it's razor thin, but if we were going one through four, Carolina, Tampa, Dallas, Columbus, and then five and six, you can interchange with Nashville and Florida. Cause I, I, I think you could probably interchange three and four, three, four, five, and yeah. six is going to be, there's that middle ground that's, I think, going to be more of a dogfight uh, than than anything else in the division. And if you're the Hurricanes, it's a nice reprieve for a season yeah. from the Metropolitan Division, sure. which look at the East Division this year. I mean, it is, it, it's stacked. Yeah. You know, there's uh, two I mean, teams that we would think would be playoff teams in a normal year are not going to make the playoffs. Right. Right. Uh, you, when you have a, a division with Boston and Washington and Pittsburgh and Philadelphia and the Rangers and, and the, the Islanders. Islanders and the Devils and all these teams, you know, the Rangers obviously had the number one pick. They're going to be better than they were. Um, the Devils, I think, are uh, they might be I don't think they're going to sneak into the top four, but they're not going to be um, an awful team. Buffalo's going to be better. Buffalo's How much better, be better? I don't know, because, again, they're like in that Chicago situation. How good's your goaltending? Right. They've got players who will score goals. Remember, they added Taylor Hall. Now, they Next might be stop. fun to watch. They might just not win games. Yeah. Uh, but the the key this year, if you're going to be a playoff team, if you're going to win a division, the key is those teams that are at the bottom. So in the East, if we're just can I be real? Be real. Can I be real? Be real. Teams like New Jersey and Buffalo in the Atlantic or the East or whatever they're going to call it in the central Chicago in Detroit, then out West pick whichever two Cal probably LA and in Anaheim who are probably going to be the two that struggle San Jose. I, again, they got some good players. I haven't really focused too much there. And then in the Canadian or the North division, you've got Ottawa. So I'll only go with one instead of two. Yeah. Those are the teams that if you're going to get into the playoffs, you cannot struggle. You can't right. split series against those teams. You have to go at worst six and two against those teams because everything else is so 
so tight. And I, again, I look at the schedule. There's no room for stumbling because it's not like you get, you know, there's always that one portion of the schedule where it gets, I hate to say it, kind of soft. Mm-hmm. But like in years past, you would have a, a trip where Ottawa, Detroit, Buffalo, New Jersey are smattered in. Like, you know, you, you see those teams. It's a bad road trip too. <laughs> but you see those teams in like seven or ten days. Yep. There, there's You get something along those lines or they come here, however it works out. And you're like, okay, this is a – and I hate talking like this because it's pros and there's pride, and if you don't show up, you get beat. Well, and, and players and coaches don't tank. Exactly. Like it's the well. – yeah, when you look at – to bring it to football, the Carolina Panthers yesterday uh, were looking at maybe a, a third or fourth overall pick. New and York Jets. Now they're looking thing, at yeah. a, a ninth or tenth overall pick. But players and coaches aren't – they're playing for something. Yeah. They're, they're playing for their, their livelihood. Yeah, you're playing for jobs. You're playing for your family. You're playing for all those things. So what I'm driving at here, you look at the schedule now, you know, Michael, there's no point where you're like, okay, well, you're going to have, uh, you know, four games against – or five games, six games to get healthy here. You know, the the Canes at no point in time play Detroit and Chicago like four, six times in a row. Now they're on the schedule, but you're going to come out after starting in Detroit. Then you got to go to Nashville. And then you come home and it's Florida, Tampa, Dallas. So you got to be ready to play. There's no, again, there's no stumble this year. You can't stumble out of the gate. You can't swoon in the middle of the season. And you certainly can't crash in April heading into May, you, yeah. you have to find a way to be steady all the way through. But it goes back to the point that I keep emphasizing for all of these teams, all of you fans, you're looking at these divisions, whoever's at the bottom of the division, the teams that are at the top are going to be the ones that beat those teams six out of eight, seven out of eight, or sweep them. Yeah. And I think... And it's uh, going to be hard to sweep a team eight times in the course of a season. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would... I mean, I'm sure it's going to happen somewhere with some team. Yeah, somebody's going to have someone's number. But, yeah, I mean, that's going to be difficult to to pull off in a season, especially when you have, um, you know, certain two-game sets that are back-to-backs. Like, it might just be one night you're on, one yep. night you're off. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the schedule is uh, – it's going to be more of a sprint than a typical season yep. is. Uh, but you are still going to need to be as consistent as possible. I talked to Jordan Martinook last week, and – you know, he was saying that uh, the you're going to have to, whenever you're riding high, you're going to have to grab onto that feeling and ride it for as long as you can. Because sure. the more wins you can string together at any time is a good thing, but it, it means even more in, in a 56-game season, in a shortened season. And inversely, when you're, when maybe you've lost a couple in a row, yep. you got you to gotta slow that down as quickly as possible because losses add up more when you have less runway um, like you do in a shortened season. There's really uh, the room for error uh, is always thin in the National Hockey League. It's a thin line, but it's even it's it's even more magnified in such a short oh. season because if you get behind the eight ball early, if you get buried in the standings early, um, it's just going to be it's going to be tough. Now, I guess the 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 counterpoint to that is, uh, you know, usually when you're looking at the standings, you're saying, okay, well, uh, it's going to be tough for the for any team to to jump over a, a group of teams maybe this year it's a little different because you're at least playing the teams that you're trying to jump over if you get buried but it's still not going to be 
an easy task to climb back up the standings. But the opposite of that is if you have a four-game losing streak, this isn't like you have a four-game losing streak and you lost to Colorado, Vegas, Edmonton, Calgary. Right. And you're like, well, it stinks. It's a tough four-game losing streak, but those points are out west. You lose eight points, you're losing eight points in the division. Yep. And odds are, unless you lose the end game of a series for the Hurricanes, you're going to be losing four points to two teams that yep. you're going to have to try to climb in front of. So, yes, the opportunity to make it up is greater because you're going to see them more, but you're also going to dig yourself into a bigger hole because every point's going to be precious as far as who's going to get in, who's going to be the top four. It's going to be... And that's why you can't waste them. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be very interesting to see how it plays out and how you know, how these new rivalries are born, how intense these games become, you know, when you're seeing the same amount of teams in a short period of time. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch. All right. Just not on Wednesdays because there are no Wednesday games this year. I won't hold you to this unless you get it right or terribly wrong. Okay. But on Monday, December 28th, who are the four playoff teams in this division? It's going to be Carolina. It's going to be Tampa. It's going to be Dallas and it's going to be Nashville. All right. I might have I, I'm really not so confident in three and four because I feel like that's where the most movement might happen. I I you know, Dallas has a good team, but you know, how do they respond from last year? How does Anton Hudobin hold up? Can Columbus, you know, find their way in? Can Florida figure it out? Um I I, I don't know. I but that to me today seems to be the four that that might make it all right so you kind of answered the next thing i had for you with when we're talking about expectations dallas would be the team that you would feel like right now today fairly confident in but could see them dropping out yes that's same with me so who's the team that you're not confident in that you could see put it together and make a jump columbus just because yeah see i'm confident in columbus i well but I'm, I, I'm Carolina, Tampa Bay, Dallas, and Columbus. That's my top four. I just look at that team, and the talent level isn't quite where I think Dallas or maybe even Nashville are at. Goaltending defense, and they play the exact same style right. every single night. And, and that's what that's what ends up benefiting them is, is John Tortorella gets these players and plugs them in and gives them the role that, um, that suits them best, and he gets the most out of everybody, and then they end up winning games. So that's, that's one I'm always confused about because I never really know – what they're going to be until they start playing some games, until they start getting some results. But I would not be surprised to see Columbus in the top four. All right. For me, the team that I'm not sold on, but I could see them getting into the top four. Florida? Chicago. Ooh, I don't think that happens. I don't think it happens, but again, I just... Taves and Kane, man, it's hard to... I don't think they'll do it, but that's my bold prediction the the team that we don't think has a chance that could do it would be Chicago because to me Nashville Nashville and Florida are almost the same team to where there's talent we know they're good sometimes but can they put it together yeah. consistently I just like I, Nashville's defense and goaltending I like more than Florida's and more than Florida's at least and Chicago's for sure but I don't know. I don't. You know, Bob's one of those guys who, if he figures it out, oh, and and we've seen Rene struggle at times, um, but we've also seen him be very successful. I guess you could say the same for Bob. Yep. 
the the difference being that Bobrovsky now granted small sample size with Florida, yeah. but he had the success with Columbus and kind of struggled last year. And again, I know that, and this is gonna sound homerish. I know there's question marks about the Canes goaltending. Like that's what we've. I don't know how many interviews outside of Carolina you've done, but that's the number one thing: goaltending this, goaltending that, goaltending this, goaltending that. And I just keep going with the well. They've had Peter Mrazek for two years, and they had Curtis McElhaney back him up in year one, and James Reimer back him up in year two, and it was what would you say about a sixty forty split? Yeah, probably. The, you know, Somewhere on, on how they played it. You're going to need both goaltenders this year. I don't care who you are in the yeah, league. 100%. You're going to need both goaltenders you have on your roster to play just because of the sheer number, the volume of games. And that's where... A volume of, of which the likes we have never seen. And that's where I wonder about Dallas. Um, can they can they succeed with Anton Hudobin and whoever the backup's going to be? Sure. I'm not even sure who it's going to be. So... Until Ben Bishop, you know, returns in March or whenever. So... To that end, when I keep telling people, I'm like, well, yes, the Canes know what they have because Peter Morazic and, in this case, James Reimer got to the playoffs. Right. The year before that, Peter Morazic and Curtis McElhaney got to the playoffs. The Canes know what they have in goal. This isn't a what do we have in goal question. The Canes know what they have. And if you want a fair question for the Hurricanes goaltending, and this is where expectations I think it's a good time to talk before we talk to Seth Jarvis, who I know he has expectations. But this is where the expectations for the Canes have changed dramatically in the last three years. Yep. This is a goaltending duo that has shown it's good enough to get into the playoffs. Win a postseason series, not a playoff yeah, series. Postseason. It's fair. Just hated After what the, the season. Hated what the wording of the qualifying was. It, it, it was a playoff, and you won it, and you got in. So um, that's how I view it. I don't know why it needs to be, why you have to make things any more difficult than what it is just for stats. But you have goaltending that's good enough to get you there. Two years ago, it was good enough to get you to the conference finals. This year, the one that we just played, even with the break, it got you in. It swept the New York Rangers that everybody said were going to beat the Hurricanes heading into the playoffs. And then... A couple of, of misplays here and there. You push the Boston Bruins, yep. even though it's a 4-1, and it's hard to say that you lose a series 4-1. It was closer than 4-1. Oh, for sure. And the Bruins will tell you that. Double if overtime. You, if you watched it, you saw that. Uh, having to deal with, what, a seven-overtime or a seven-period game waiting to play and everything gets pushed to the next day. What I'm saying is this isn't Chicago. Right. This isn't Dallas, where you don't know what you have with your goaltenders. This isn't even Florida. The Canes know what they have with the goaltenders. So yeah. the question then for expectations is, in the fair one, is that good enough to win a Stanley Cup? And my answer to that is I don't know. Well, the thing about being good enough to win a Stanley Cup is it's kind of tough because the, I think the more important question is, is it good enough to get to the playoffs? Yes. Correct. That's the first, that's the first answer on the test yeah. that has to, to be right. Because Tampa Bay had a team good enough to win the Stanley Cup two years ago, and they didn't. Because once you get to the Stanley Cup playoffs, anything can happen, and results can be a little more random based on you know how certain games go. So 
is it good enough to get to the playoffs? Absolutely. And then whatever happens in the playoffs happens. Uh, is it good enough to carry the team through the playoffs and win the Stanley Cup? I think so. You know, given certain opponents that the Canes may face, given how this season's going to work. Um, but yeah, I think it's totally feasible. I think the question that you have to answer uh, if you're the Hurricanes front office and you're evaluating your goaltending is, is it good enough to get us to the playoffs? Because whatever happens in the playoffs is going to happen. Um, it's it's going to be... Is that going to be like on one of our t-shirts for 2020? Whatever's going to happen is going to happen? Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Sorry. I saw someone yes, uh, recently, and I'm sure they weren't the first to say it. Hindsight is 2020. Oh, yeah, I've that's seen pretty a bunch good. of them, yeah. Okay. Everything is... Uh, Everything. Everything is not new Lauren on the Hill internet. Too, so. I know I cut you off there, but to your point of when you get to the playoffs, yep. okay, you're you're there, what happens is going to happen. Yeah. If, what if I told you? And I also think, hang on, to further that one more, if, especially in this year, if your goaltending duo is good enough to get you to the playoffs against the seven teams that you're playing, yep. it's certainly going to be good enough, theoretically. To get you to at least the conference finals. Correct. Or to the semifinals. Agreed. But here's a, a 30 for 30 pitch. Oh. What if I told you a goaltender from a little known hockey playing country and a rookie goaltender would lead a scrappy bunch of players after a long delay of playing hockey to a Stanley Cup title? Would you believe it? Well, that's what happened with the Carolina Hurricanes. Sort of. Marty Gerber, Cam Ward. I don't think that people looked at that duo coming out of the lockout, coming out of something unusual, and felt like that was going to be the group, the duo that wins the Stanley Cup in net. And But you you got to get a guy, and Cam Ward did that in the playoffs, get hot and carry your team. Exactly, and that's, that's kind of the larger point. They had a, a duo good enough to get them to the playoffs and a team good enough to get them to the playoffs. The right guy got hot at the right time in the playoffs, and... Everything else took care of itself. It, Cam Ward's numbers from that season weren't—they weren't great. You wouldn't look at his numbers from the regular season and be like, "Oh, he's going to win the Con Smythe." That's—it's just in the playoffs, anything can happen, and you need—you need a team that can get you there. Um, and then from there, I think you just need a group and a belief. You need some bounces. You need some luck uh, that can carry you the rest of the way. Sure. So, you know, I—I I, I think the. The goaltending duo is is not much of a question no. for me. More of a question, I think, of of depth scoring. But I think that's going to get answered, you know, hopefully relatively quickly. Yep. Hopefully, we see some uh, some of the depth players find the back of the net. Um, but expectations, you know, internally, I think when you when you talk about expectations, you have to kind of uh, maybe specify internal versus. I'm, external. I'm going external. Internal. Right. The expectation is to win the Stanley Cup, and it has to be. In order to be a successful organization, the expectation has to be to win the Stanley Cup. And that was one of the things that when Rod Brindamore took over as head coach, he wanted to instill as the expectation. It wasn't just, you know, well, let's uh, let's just, you know, go out there, play, see what happens. Hopefully we make the playoffs. No, it's we're going to go out there and we're going to win the Stanley Cup. Now that that internal expectation is understood uh, and the Hurricanes have gotten results over the past couple of years and in terms of returning to the playoffs and becoming a perennial contender, now those external expectations shine a little brighter, and now 
the Hurricanes are understood as okay, they're going to be a playoff team this year. And I think I think that's uh, totally accurate. So with that, here's mine for you. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. The Canes reach the conference finals. I will. I'll take it. I will take that they will be the central division, the last standing team in the central division to play whoever else from whatever other division. That's going to be weird too, playing a different team Mm -hmm. (laughs) that late in the season. Yeah, I mean. I like it. It it harkens me back to my younger days of why I loved baseball when the American League and the National League didn't play each other. And then you get to the postseason and the World Series and it's two different styles and not – it won't be different rules where DH, no DH, but nonetheless, it was always cool because a team who was the best in their division, their league, is playing the other team, and then we see who's going to win it. So I, I can't – I think the conference finals are going to be amazing. Yeah, the semifinals. That's true. There's no conferences. Yeah, which better question, who gets uh, who gets the conference We've already told – I've already broken this down for you. Did we do it on the podcast or yeah. was it off the air? Well, I'll say it again, even if we did do it on there. If the two representatives who play in the finals, right? Right. It's the the finals, not the final. No, the Stanley Cup final. Okay, the final, because the finals is the NBA. Correct. And they write that on their court. The finals, yeah. So the Stanley Cup final. It's the final series. So if one of the teams is from the Western Conference pre- The standard Western Conference, yeah. They get the- Clarence, Clarence Campbell, Campbell trophy, and then the Prince of Wales trophy goes to a team that is in the Eastern Conference. If they're both from the same conference, then you can go by age. Maybe it's kind of a wait-and-see thing. Yeah. Okay. But, I mean, that's how you could do it. Oh, yeah. It because you could, you could honestly break it up. They haven't announced who's going to play who, right? Well, it's just one verse four and two verse three. So they can honestly look at that one versus four and say, all right, that's East versus East. And if you, even if there's three from the east, yeah, and one from the west, the one from the west, all right, we'll put the Clarence Campbell Bowl for the one that has the side on the west, and the Prince of Wales Trophy for the two in the east. Yeah. It's a very easy solution. Or maybe you just don't give them out. Give me the hardware. <laughs> well, maybe they get a I don't know a different trophy. No, a logo or something. No, no, <laughs> no. Did you see what the NFL did to their trophies? They used to have awesome trophies. For the AFC and the NFC. And now it's like a chandelier. Well, it's only for a year. Maybe they can get medals. Trophies. Give me the trophies. You have them. Well, the trophy everyone cares about is at the end. Exactly. So why are you even concerned who gets awarded what? Well, that's what I'm saying. Just don't give them out. Give them out, though. You earn them. It's just going to be weird. We'll see what they do. I don't know. I want to have a ceremony because then I want us to argue should you touch the trophy or not before you go to the final. Uh, they can do whatever they want with it. Oh, my goodness. You don't want them to touch it? No, I just like that everybody freaks out over if they do or if they don't. Yeah, that's why I just don't care. Touch no. it if you want or don't. If you want to touch it, touch it. If you right. don't want to touch it, don't touch it. Yeah. If, if you, you like want to it, look at it, if you want to look at it, look at it. If you don't want to look at it, don't look at it. If you like it, touch it. If not, Send it right send back. Send it right back. I, I am care. 100% with you, but there are certain things in sports that fans and broadcasters and people freak out over that I don't, but I enjoy the freak out. Yeah. And that's one of them. <gasps> they touched the trophy. <laughs> okay. Is there... If you're the best team, you're going to win no matter what happens. There's probably a um, a prop bet on that, right? 
Do Probably. they touch the trophy? I'm not? sure there is. Yeah. But now we can't have it because you don't even want to award these things. You want to award medals. Yeah, well, let, it's going to be a weird season, so let's get weird. No. <laughs> when not? you can have some normalcy, put it in there. Oh, let's get weird. Embrace the weird. It's going to be strange. That's what 2020's been. I want to get back to as much normal as humanly possible. That's. It's going to be a weird season. It will be weird, so that's why if you can award trophies that people will or will not touch, then I want to see what happens and who gets the trophy. I want to see a medal ceremony where Bill Daly has to put medals on two teams, <laughs> like a, like the World Juniors. And well, speaking, you can't do that because that's only gold, silver, and bronze. Well, so these, the fourth-place team gets nothing? You get nothing. No, no, no. The, you the, lose. The losers don't get anything. This is just for the two winning teams. They get some Stanley Cup final berth medal no it makes way more sense than awarding the prince of wales and clarence campbell bowl i think because they're not conferences it's a free-for-all they're four divisions that's it yeah well you get a trophy for getting there and a medal fine team medal i'm not i'm not accepting this i'm just doing this so we can move along because we've waited long enough to talk to seth jarvis who has expectations on his season. The 13th overall pick from this year's NHL draft swung by Kane's cast. This was a live audience, even though we were socially distant, and we had masks on. Yeah, so it sounds a little like Bane maybe doing the interview, but... uh, Don't make me do the Bane voice. Well, (laughs) the the listeners can judge for themselves. They were here. Here he is, Seth Jarvis. Congratulations are in order for... Kane's first round draft pick, Seth Jarvis, who's joining us here on Kane's cast. And, you know, I, I know you've been asked pretty much every single question there is right now, but how much has your life changed since draft day, hearing your name to, to where you are, are now putting your name on a, on an NHL contract or at least a professional contract to get ready to play? Has, has it changed a lot or is it still pretty much the same for you? Yeah. Thank you. Uh, it's, uh, it's pretty much the same. I think, uh, not much has changed other than, Maybe just the excitement. I think it's been awesome to get down here and just kind of spend time getting adjusted to, to rally and just seeing, seeing the facility and meeting new people. But uh, other than that, you know, I'm still an 18-year-old kid who, who enjoys having fun and just uh, is kind of living life right now. You know, one of the, the questions that for a long time gets asked for all the, the prospects and, and guys coming in, you know, what do you know about the Hurricanes or what was out there? But the way that this team has had success the last two years, what was your excitement level when you found out, okay, this is the team – and I've got a chance to to skate and practice with guys like Sebastian Ajo, Tevo Teravine, and Andre Svechnikov, all young guys. I mean, it's not like you're coming into a, a team of 30-year-olds. It's it's a really good young core, and you could be quick to be adding to this. Yeah, it's awesome. I think the first thing that sticks out is the young core. I think you hear those guys, and they're all they're all still super young and, and still getting to their prime. So just seeing how they we skate right before them, so seeing them after, is it's incredible just seeing how good they are. And then the rest of the team just – I think there's great veterans on the team and people that have made the adjustment really easy for me and just uh, have gotten me a lot more comfortable really quickly. So what's it been like uh, getting to Raleigh and and your first impressions of the city? Because usually in a typical year, obviously, after the draft, you'd come here for prospects development camp. It's been a crazy year, so that hasn't happened. So what has it been like getting your first taste of Raleigh now here uh, towards the end of 2020? Yeah, it's been it's been awesome. I think uh, just kind of showing up. It's uh, a lot warmer than Winnipeg, so that's a that's a nice change for me. And then, uh, yeah, I think just the drive into the hotel, I got to kind of look around, just see see what it's like, and I, I love it so far. It's been it's been awesome. I think the practice facility is amazing. 
it's uh it's brand new and it's it's great and then this is my first time kind of in the pnc center so this has been uh it's been cool just kind of walking around seeing seeing what's on the walls and seeing all the all the banners and stuff like that what have you been up to since the nhl draft obviously it was a little different uh this year but since that moment since being drafted by the hurricanes getting to talk with rob brindamore don waddell what have you been up to yeah, a lot of training. I think uh, that was that was the biggest piece for me. And then I headed off to uh, Team Canada's World Junior Camp and uh, got that experience and got uh, got a taste of that. And then after that, it was home for a good week, maybe, and then uh, out to here. And it's been it's been great. How good was that experience to to get with Team Canada for the World Juniors just to to get into a structure of practice and being around a team again? And I mean, I know we're watching the results right now. They they look pretty good. So clearly, you helped push them. To uh, destroying Germany the way that they did and getting ready for their their win the next time out. No, yeah, they are they're a great team. I think uh, it was nice to just have a routine and have some structure when uh, when everything kind of kind of seems just uh, a little bit up in the air all summer. I think when you go into that camp and you have a you have a routine, you have a schedule every day. I think it's nice to to kind of feel like you know what you're doing and you know what you have to do. So it, it was awesome to be a part of that and just get that experience. The talent level at that camp and on that team just seems. I mean, it's it's higher than it has been really in any other year just because of the situation. So did you take a lot from the camp? Did you learn a lot there? Yeah, I just learned that confidence is, is big in anything. I think uh, going in there, you see all those big names. You see Kirby Doc coming back from the NHL. So you, you, there's a lot of intimidation factors. But I think coming in as a young guy, I just wanted to go in there and make a good first impression and just kind of see where that took me. And just playing with confidence and playing my game was uh, was kind of the biggest thing I took away from that. Uh, there's some some question to how this year is going to play out, but uh, my my bigger question is why do uh, WHL guys seem to be so much better suited for the NHL than the rest of juniors? You know those OHL guys and those <laughs> Q guys walking around thinking they're so good. Uh, but no, what one is? I know that that's always a joke, and it becomes a, a bigger joking point as you move on in your career. But is is that something when you're in juniors? Like, is there a certain pride? You know, I'm a, I'm a Western guy or I'm playing for the O and, and how much trash talk is there amongst you guys? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I think, uh, it's tough with research. Right here, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I think everyone in the WHL takes pride in playing in that league. I think we think of it as a tough league to play in just with, uh, a lot of grown man strength and there's, there's big bodies there, but I think that's the same with any league. I think all three leagues are incredible, but, uh, yeah, I think the WHL, we just, we think we're a little bit of a different breed, just coming in, <laughs> coming a little bit stronger and a little bit more, more ready to try to make the transition. Don't worry. I'm going to tell him, you know, why they're always <laughs> so much better than WHL when that comes around, but at the, at the same time to, to be able to go through a process with guys who like you've grown up with or you played with, how important is that where there's that that structure, that core of guys that you came up with and you get to know. So it's not as intimidating coming to a place like Raleigh. There's a couple of faces or names that you've at least crossed paths with once or twice getting to this point in your life. Yeah, it's great. I think anytime you can make connections, uh, especially off the ice and build a relationship is, is really big for just uh, making the transition a little bit easier coming to Raleigh. I, I'm lucky enough to know a few guys just from training with them in the summer. So it made uh, made the adjustment a little bit easier, just having some familiar faces and uh, just uh, made breaking into a to a new organization just, just that much better. With so many unknowns for this upcoming hockey season, how are you preparing uh, for what's ahead? Yeah, I just uh, I just keep training as if the season's going to start in the next couple of weeks. So you never really know what's going to come up and what's, uh, what's kind of over the hill, whether it's a a WHL season hopefully starting or, or an NHL season or whatnot. So I think just being able to be prepared and be ready for, for whatever whatever's next is big. How awesome does it feel to have put, 
pen to paper on that that entry level contract now. Yeah, it's it's an incredible feeling. It's a dream come true. I think uh, everyone after they get drafted, the first thing they kind of want to do is sign that contract and and be solidified with an organization. So just having that having that possible and having that come to fruition is is big for me. How big is family for you? Like to to keep you grounded or to push you to to say yes, you have a chance of being an NHL player. We'll do what we can to get you to this point. How big is that? Uh, just to to have that support and and what you had growing up. Yeah, my, my family's huge for me. I think I consider all my close friends my family as well. They've been just as big a part as my as my real family, I think. My parents just getting me to this point, sacrificing a lot to make me to let me be able to play hockey at a high level. And then my brother just always being there. He's a big support for me. Just uh he played junior hockey and so he made the transition for me into the WHL easier. And then uh my friends just uh just keep me keep me grounded and uh they always they always love to cheer at me and make sure I don't get too ahead of myself. So they always they always let me know I haven't done anything yet. So it, it keeps me hungry and keeps me going. All right. So you play center. Your head coach here with the Carolina Hurricanes is maybe one of the best two way and I won't say maybe, I think he is the best two way center that this league has seen at least in the last forty years. Do you go in in awe of your coach or do you go in like I'm a sponge, tell me everything? Like what's what's the mindset knowing that you get to hang around Rod Brindamore for a couple of weeks with with a camp? Yeah, a little bit of both. I think uh, obviously he was a great player and there's tons to learn from him. So I think being a sponge is big, just taking whatever you can from him, whatever tips or tricks he has and uh, whatever advice. I think you just have to take it right to heart and, and really, uh, really put into action. Well, Seth, uh uh, it's going to be a, a great learning experience, I think, you being around here. Congratulations on signing uh, your entry-level deal with the Hurricanes, and uh, we look forward to what's next. Thank you very much. Thank you. Our thanks to Seth Jarvis for stopping by after he after he literally signed his entry-level contract. Literally. He put pen to paper with Don Waddell and then in his put office. voice into electronic recording format. He did. Through a mask, socially distant, we... You know, observed all protocols. We did. Because, again, folks, we remind you there is a pandemic yes. happening yes. amongst us. Yes. Even though there is a light at the end of the tunnel, a long-awaited light at the end of the tunnel. So we want to make sure that we're observing all protocols. But this, uh, this is a good step for Seth Jarvis um, in his development. It's, it, you know, it's unfortunate that because of the way 2020 went, you know, he didn't get to have the, the typical draft experience he didn't get to have the prospects development camp experience here after where you come in and you kind of learn uh, what it means to be a hurricane and um, you get on the ice and uh, just get a chance to to get a feel for the area and the organization Um, but I think you know now with with him being in Raleigh with him signing his entry-level deal yeah there's some question marks about the WHL season but I think he can take um take a lot of from what he's going to learn here in the next I don't know how many weeks um, and take that and uh, use it as he uh, continues his development um, as as one of the Hurricanes top prospects in fact elite prospects um, in their evaluation of the Hurricanes prospect pool which they ranked fourth uh, in the entire NHL ranked Seth Jarvis at the top of the Hurricanes prospect pool so um, he's a, a talented young player with a bright future ahead of him, and this is uh, kind of the, the next step in realizing his dream. Uh, by the way, for everybody who was wondering if your prospects didn't make it on to Team Canada this year for the World Juniors, one, just the way that that roster is stacked, what is I, I heard, I haven't done the full research, there are 20 first-round draft picks on that 
Team Canada World Junior roster? That's correct. 20. 20. That's amazing. That's a lot. So just think about it. The way that roster is constructed. So it was going to be tough to get on there. There were NHLers who wanted to play. Kirby Doc, who did and got injured, unfortunately, for the Chicago Blackhawks. They're outstanding prospect who had a, a really good rookie season when we talk about what you know players are bringing to the party. So you had NHLers, guys who were going to be NHLers, make that roster. I think just for Seth Jarvis to get the invite and participate and try to make that squad. Yeah. You would have loved to have seen him make it. He would have loved to have made the team. Right. There's no doubt about it. But this is one of these years where just getting the invite to the World Juniors that's a that's a big deal because yeah. there's so many players who are in the pool that normally wouldn't be. Yeah, and as you know, he'll I th- next year when you look towards next year, I think he'll probably make the team. Um, he'll have another shot at it. It was an opportunity really for him to learn at a level higher than he's ever played before. Yes, and that's you know when you look at the development of young players, when you have a chance to play at such a high level at a level higher than you're used to playing at you're going to to learn things and absorb things and and be better because of them so just having that junior camp experience is going to be beneficial for Jarvis moving forward by the way I love that he said that he's going to be a sponge for everything that Rod Brindamore is going to tell him while he's here in in Raleigh at camp it's the perfect attitude for here it's the perfect attitude to have really at, at any level of experience that he gets so it does ask a question though because of how weird 2020 is. There might not be a WHL and OHL season for these guys. So what do you do with prospects like Seth Jarvis? And uh, I heard Tariq El-Bashir, the, the fine writer who covers the Capitals on NHL radio this morning, talking about, you know, the Caps have guys who are in this situation. They would love to keep in juniors, but if there's no season, what do you do? So if you're the Hurricanes, there are guys who ideally – you just let them play in, in the OHL this year or the WHL or in the, the Q. But if there's no season to be had, what do you do with these young guys? And some of them, like in the case of, of Seth Jarvis, he's too young to play in the AHL if the AHL has a season. So what do you do there? And, and are you better off? Like, Do you put these guys on a taxi squad and have them practice with the NHL team all year? Like, How do you, how do you work this out? I have no idea. That's a question of way above my pay grade. But yeah, it's. A, I think it's a question that when we get closer to the season, we can ask right. Don Waddell or yeah. Rod Brindamore what you want to do, what would be best. Because at the same time, you know, you don't want to keep a kid where he can't play, but yeah. you also don't want to send him to a place where you're like, well, you're kind of on your own right now. It's a great question to ponder because this is the future of the organization you're talking about. And these uh, developmental years are, are crucial for some of these kids. Um, and so, you know, when when you have so many questions about junior league seasons, uh, whether they're going to start in January or February, or if there even is going to be a season, um, I, I don't know what the answer is. I don't I don't know if there is an easy answer. Does it make sense having them on taxi squads? Ideally, yes, because they'd be able to learn um, and gain experience from being a part of the NHL team, being a part of NHL practices, perhaps even taking some road trips. But at the same time. Would you rather have more experienced AHL guys on your taxi squad in the case that you might need some of those players? I, it's 
There are no easy answers. So you can this. have you can have what four to six players on the taxi squad. Yeah, as I understand it, yes. And you can carry twenty three is the roster size that you have in the NHL. Yep, standard roster. So size. if we're just in, and we can get do a deeper dive into this. I feel that we might because twenty twenty has been such a a rubbish year for so many people. You want to do a uh, a special end of the year coming up? Yeah, we might. Uh, we might do a second uh, little bonus episode of Kane's cast this week to really just put a bow on uh <laughs> i got something other than a bow for 2020 my friend well, we're gonna put a bow on it and then toss it in the trash the the year not the episode the episode's gonna be better than the oh, year yeah. at least i hope um that'll that'll kind of wrap up the year wrap up uh you know if you want to call it season three of the podcast and set the table nicely uh but yeah we can we can do that later All in right. the week so we'll we'll put that there but 23 players I think Alex Nedeljkovic, because you have to have a goalie either on the taxi squad. Yeah, you have to have a third goalie. Or on your regular roster. Yep. Well, Alex Nedeljkovic is on a one-way deal this year anyway, so he'll probably be on the traveling team all year no matter what. So you just put him on the 23-man roster, Yep. however you want to carry that, and then whichever taxi squad players. But that leaves, you don't have to carry a goalie on the taxi squad then for the Canes. That leaves an opening for a place where you could put one of these younger players. Yeah, theoretically, yes. It's a, it's an interesting situation that the Hurricanes and, and many other teams are facing as they ponder, uh, you know, how they want uh, their futures to develop and, um, you know, in trying to figure out what's best for uh, these 18-year-olds, these 19-year-olds as they uh, move forward in their development. They're, I don't know. There's not a lot of easy answers. Uh, and right now, there are more questions about when certain seasons are going to start. Yep. Uh, hopefully, once those get figured out, maybe then you have some more clarity on, on where these guys can play. Uh, again, nothing definitive here, but would it make sense to keep a player like Seth Jarvis on your taxi squad until you can send him to juniors? You know, Give him the structure of having to go to a practice and be around professionals, NHL pro players to learn that. And then if the WHL decides to play, he can just go there and then your taxi squad moves up a guy. Yeah, it could happen. I'm just, I I just put it out there. It was a question. I heard it today. It's an interesting question. We had Seth Jarvis on. I think it was an interesting question to pose. What do you do? And it's, it's league wide. Speaking of questions, we have some from listeners who gave us a call on our voicemail line, which is open. All time. 24-7. 24-7. Could have called us on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. 365. Yeah, if you've had a few storm brews and you want to give us a call. Why do you keep encouraging that? <laughs> That's just my curiosity. As someone who's been been there and has had to listen to those calls, I'm telling you. No. Let's not encourage it. If, it if it happens naturally, yeah, then I, we will always say... Hi. Sorry, jumped the gun there. 919-500-7819 if you want to give us a call anytime. And according to Michael Smith, after you've won beer for a year from us, it's probably the best time. Yeah, Steve Ullman might give us a ring. All right, here's, mm-hmm. uh, here's a voicemail from a listener. Hey, Mike. Hey, Mike. This is Nick from Ohio, originally from North Carolina. I have a trivia question and a like it, take it. My trivia question is, in the first Mighty Ducks movie, 
who is the team that the Minnesota North Stars are playing. And my like it, take it. If you like it, you can take it. If not, send it right back. Andrei Shvechnikov is going to have at least two more hat tricks this season, if not more. Thanks, guys. Love the podcast. Listen to it every Monday. Hope you guys are, have a good holidays. And can't wait to hear you guys again. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you, Nick. Thank you. Thanks, Nick. Oh, wait. Thank you. Hi. Just get it all covered. Thanks, Nick, from Ohio. Hope you enjoy this podcast. Well, let's go out on a limb. And seeing I haven't seen the Mighty Ducks in like 15 years, maybe longer. Probably No, probably longer because it came out when I was a kid. I'm going to go, and we know for a fact, with the Hartford Whalers. It was the Whale. Ding, ding, ding. By the way, both the North Stars and the Whale relocated four years after that movie. Ooh, Curse of the Mighty Ducks. Mm -hmm. I think the movie came out in 93. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, A kid, I was a teenager. God. The question uh, about Andrei Svechnikov scoring at least two more hat tricks this season. God, I want to take that. Yeah. He got his first ever hat trick. In the playoffs. In the playoffs. I I can see him having. And the Canes' first ever playoff hat trick. Right. I can see him having one hat trick this season. Two is a lot. Two is a lot in a shortened season. Granted, he's going to be a year older, a year wiser, a year better. And who's to say? The only thing is, and this is let's go back to the schedule, your opponents are going to know you. That's true. Yep. But you're also going to know the goalies. Yep. I'm going to send it oh, back. Both. I think one of us should keep it and one of us should send it back. Well, You send it back, I'll keep it. Okay, that's fair. Because he said two. He didn't say more than two. He said two. Two or more, yep. I, or at least two. I would say two. Yep. Okay. Okay. Hat tricks are tough. Difficult to come by. Yeah. Unless you're... Uh, uh, the empty netter always helps. Yes, it does. And, you know... As long as you can steal one from Sebastian Ajo, because he likes those as well. Yes, he does. <laughs> You'll be all right. Hey, Mike and Michael. It's Zach. I do the Cane Train podcast, which both of you graced. Thanks so much for doing that, first of all. Uh, so I have one question for you, and then I'll let you keep it, okay? Which will bail Michael out for sure, because he definitely does not have one, but it's all good. My first question is, which one of you guys should win guest of the year for the Cane Train podcast? I'll let you discuss that. And then my like it, keep it for you is in a year last year where the Canes struggled with Dallas and Columbus, both those teams are probably going to be hunting for a top four spot with the Canes. So my like it, keep it is the Hurricanes figure out a way to overcome their struggles and dominate Dallas and Columbus and get into that first or second spot in the division. Thanks, guys. You rock. Catch you later. First off, good on Zach for getting a cheap plug for his podcast on our podcast. Yeah, way to go. Like three times. Yeah. Well, nice for done. him. Well done. Right here on Kane's Cast. Oh, I'm plugging our own podcast. The on number podcast. one hockey podcast in Finland for, for a day. Yeah. What a glorious day it was. What a day. What a great day for Finland. What a great day. And therefore, the world. That's true. Kitos. <sighs> Kitos to all of you, our favorite people in Finland. Well, guest of the year. It's I'd, you. I'll I'd, give it to you. Well, I'd pro- I was going to say you because I was on the podcast when it wasn't. It was not the Keen Strain podcast. It was, I think, Siren Sounder was. See, that's why I'll give it to you. Oh, you were a, you were an innovator. You were ahead of the curve. Okay, they thought to ask you first. Therefore, I I concede that title 
to one Michael Smith. The Web's Michael Smith. Well, I it's a podcast, too. So the Web's Michael Smith needs to be the guest of the year. That makes sense. Um, I got into uniform designs, man. That's not my forte. Oh. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. I like uniforms. I'll talk about them, but... You haven't designed one recently? No. Okay. It's been a while. It's been a while since I've played any of the EA Sports games where I can redesign uniforms. Although I did get Buff State's football jerseys pretty damn close. And then I brought them into the modern era. Dallas and Columbus. Dominate those teams is tough. Yeah. But I think that the key to, well, I've already dived into, dove? Dived? Uh, jumped. Jumped into, you've got to go 6-2 and two against Detroit and 6-2 and two against Chicago at worst. Um, 500 against Columbus in Dallas in Tampa is what I'm looking at because those are my playoff teams. You go 4-4 four and four against those teams and then you find a way to win the series season series against Florida in Nashville then you've got you've got something cooking there. I feel like games against Columbus the ones that haven't gone haven't ticked the win column are always those games where you look at them and you're like, "Well, we played like exactly how we wanted to play. It just didn't work out." And that I think is kind of a a byproduct of the way Columbus plays that system. But it's funny because Zach talks about, you know, struggling against Columbus, struggling against Dallas. The Canes have kind of dominated Nashville the last few years. Yes, they have. So that's what that actually has to continue more than, you know, do you find a way you can't go 0 and 8 against Columbus and Dallas and this team certainly not going to do that, but dominate them, I don't know. That's gonna, that's going to be it's going to be a challenge. I think you got to find that those are the two teams you have to win here in Raleigh at PNC Arena and then split in Dallas, find a way to steal one in Dallas, or you know, you go 500 there. So Dominate the foe. So I'll send it, I'll send it back. Ked Woodley. Thank you. I, the, the Hi, Mike said, and Michael. This is Nolan Tangney, a diehard Canes fan from Toronto, Canada. I'm calling to ask a couple of questions. Um, first, I'm wondering if there's any chance that the Canes go after Patrick Liney, if he's still available from the Jets, if that ever becomes possible again. Um, I think he would look great on a line of Aho and Teravainen, and that allows Svechnikov to move with uh, Natchez and Trocek, which was an amazing line in the playoffs. Um, and also, I'm wondering, what are the odds we see some time from Alex Nadelkovich in net this year? Uh, thanks for taking my call, and I love listening to you guys, and God bless you guys. Take care, and Merry Christmas. Well, first off, Nolan, thank you. Yeah, Nolan, awesome. Thanks, uh, thanks for good listening. Day, good day to you, and welcome two canes cast we appreciate it great day uh in toronto too international podcast listener merry i hope you had a merry christmas hope you're staying safe in toronto because i know uh some restrictions are taking hold there as uh as the virus spreads but uh two good questions uh first of all about patrick line i'm gonna go with anytime a player like that is available now the carolina hurricanes will do their due diligence you know i was gonna go with kick the tires I think the Canes would be in on it, but that always comes back to asking price. Yep. Like, what's it going to cost? And remember, Andre Svechnikov is going to have a tab that's yep. going to have to get paid. Dougie Hamilton has a check that is going to have to be written his way. So when you look at a player like Patrick Liney, and my goodness, would that be fun to see Aho, Liney, and, and Tara Vinen 
streaking down the ice together as a line for the Canes. And, and a great point by Nolan. Then you put Andrei Svechnikov with Trocek and Natchez, and now now you're really humming with two lines that you can get going there. It's although a dangerous top six. Although I I like Andrei Svechnikov with Aho and Teravainen a lot too. Yeah. Um, but it was very mindful to talk about what that would do for the depth. I just don't know what it would take. Yeah. And then money-wise, if he hits free agency, he's going to be looking to be the highest paid player, at least on the Hurricanes. That's for sure. And I just don't know right now for the Canes if there's enough money to go around and do that. But Carolina won't be Bashville. They'll they'll reach out and find out what it would take to get them here. Yeah. I, I mean, it's... Like you mentioned, due diligence kind of have to at least you know see what it would take. I sure. just think uh, I I don't think uh, the cap and and or what it would take in a trade yeah. potentially depending on you know when this might happen. I just don't know if it would work yeah. out. Uh, I ultimately, if you're Winnipeg, you got to figure it out. Yeah, like you can't you can't let that guy go. But you know, Winnipeg's in that situation too. As far as uh, the odds on Ned playing, I like it. I think that the way that this season is going to go, you're going to get to a point where, you know, one of the goalies might be a little dinged here or there. You look at the last two seasons, and that's been the case. So, so yeah, I, I think he'll play. Yeah. I, I You know, you, you're going to have to carry three, as we discussed. Yeah. Uh, Ned, I think, makes sense to be that third goaltender. And uh, yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him in net at some point this season. I, I hate to bring this up too, but we've already said it. There is still a pandemic going on, and ask the Cleveland Browns what just happened to them. You know, their entire wide receiving core was depleted because of somebody got it and then contact tracing. So, uh, I would love to tell you that the NHL is going to be perfect and no one's going to test positive for COVID this year in the NHL. I also think that the way that this thing has gone, that would be unrealistic for me to say. Now, I hope it doesn't happen here for Carolina. I think it's going to happen to some team somewhere. Yeah. But the then, then uh, but I just think there's so many things, the way the schedule is, uh, it's happened before, as Michael has already pointed out. Alex Nedeljkovich is going to get into a game this year. Yeah, I'll agree. What's going on, gents? Thank you so much for taking the time to answer my question. I really appreciate the calls that you guys uh, take. My name is Trevor, by the way. I'm from Wilmington, North Carolina. The biggest caniac that has ever been, Trip Tracy, where he to suit up and go and mind the net now. If you like it, take it. If not, send it right back. Do you think he could stop 15 of 35 shots on net? Can't wait to hear you guys talk about it. Take care. Go Kings. One way. Well, Trevor, that uh, thanks for uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. Yeah. Glad you enjoyed the voicemail segment. Moy moy to you as well. Yeah, moy moy. Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's that's less gotta, than it's less than fifty percent. Got to stop fifteen at thirty five. I think he can do it. Yeah. I, now, is he gonna get a shutout or is he gonna allow one goal? Now, if Trip was here, my broadcast partner, to try to break this down he would talk about how much time does he have to get ready to play right. does he have practice perhaps what the barometric pressure is that day lots of things would go into it but my god yeah i i would like he's had a birthday though he's on the plus side of 45 
Barely. Um, I think he could do it. Oh, the the fifteen of thirty five. Absolutely, that's that's not even a question. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think what would be realistic. It'd be a little bit of an adventure, but but I'm I'm just trying to think NHL players if he gets practice and all that. Man, what was his last alumni game performance? He was he was really good. Yeah, that's true. He's really good. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you, and he might. I don't know if he'll get mad or if he'll think that I'm been hanging around uh, the wrong places. I think he would probably stop at least 29, yeah, 28 of 35 shots. Yeah. If you said 35 shots, I mean, and again, the reason why he'd get mad at me is this is, he was a, a decent goalie for the minor leagues and he talks that he doesn't give himself enough credit for it. I mean, allowing seven goals is a lot of goals, but Patty Wallet in ten. You know, it's yeah, the it's, great ones have. Uh, but he would stop. In my mind, he would stop way more than fifteen. I might be a little hopeful by going like twenty nine, like twenty eight or twenty seven is probably more realistic. Yeah. And probably, what team? What team is he playing against? Too. Yeah. What team is he playing against? Uh, what's the lineup look like in front, in front of, of him? him. Um, like if you put him with this Canes team fully healthy, look what the Canes did with David Ayers. Right. So. Yeah, 15 of 35, that's a no-brainer. I'll take that all day. Yeah, I'll take that as well. All right, uh, I think we got time for one more here before we get out of here. Oh, I've got some uh, online. Just some questions. The old-fashioned tweet questions. old-fashioned yeah. tweets. All right, well, uh, let's listen to another voicemail, and then we'll uh, dive into some tweets before uh, departing for a couple, couple of days. days. Hey, guys, it's Micah, also known as the good luck kid from Mike Mascalco, uh, along with Drew, but... My question today is, um, what do you guys think line-wise, like the Canes forward option are looking looking at? Do you think they're going to have Morgan Geeky back in as the fourth-line center or even third-line center, or do you think he'll, like, be the healthy scratch and Martin Oak will take center? I don't know. What you, I, don't, I just want to know what you guys think because it's interesting to think about with no Justin Williams and, like, who's going to play wingers. But So, yeah, I guess just telling us what you guys think your projected lines are going to be. All right, thank you. I'll see you guys. First off, every time he shows up, the Canes win. That's why he's a good luck kid. Okay, I I, I knew there had to be some sort oh, of background. Yeah. And uh, he and his, his friend, Drew, they look like the Black Keys. Really? Yes. Okay. Drew looks like um, Patrick Carney. Okay. You could have said... Uh, and Dan Auerbach... Micah looked uh, a little bit like him. You said you could have said Patrick the Star, and I would have been like, "Okay, he's in Black Keys, sure." <laughs> I, I don't know who is in the Black Keys. I know really? who they are. I don't know. Couldn't tell you, you know, a band member's name. Well, you know now, Micah and Drew. They're in the Black Keys. Yeah, they, well, they're they're they're, they're standards. Micah sent uh, a couple other ones too, uh, asking about the defensive pairs as sure. well. Uh, so we can just run down. Um, but the, they don't lose. The Canes don't lose when both of them are here. It's insane. I've tried to like. How can we get you here more often? Yeah, but, that's but they're not, kids, and they have. Well, they're not kids anymore. They're probably college kids now. That's not good news for this year. I have been hanging around the concourse of PNC Arena, loitering for a long time. Yes, many. If you've heard the pregame shows, both on TV and before that in the radio days, many people would consider that not work. <laughs> We've got a guy just loitering here in front of the cameras. What's he doing? Um, 
So, okay, well, it, easy. First lines, fetch there's, Vaho, By the way, there's Liner. a lot of people who loiter behind the cameras, just so you know. Yeah. For those things. Yes. By the way, still upset that the ice cream thing was a planned heist. Plant. It's still great, though. It's plant, yeah. Never thought that's how I was going to get on national TV, but there you go. Well, hey, we, we all have our breakthroughs. Bang. You made a cameo. I made a cameo. <laughs> and, like, it's... Have you ever noticed whenever they freeze frame things, if... The, the times you've been on TV, it's like you're always making the worst face possible. It's never flattering. Never. Ever. Ever. Agreed. All right, so the lines, let's keep the top line together for the Carolina Hurricanes of Ajo, Teravainen, and Svechnikov. Yep. Second line, it's going to be Vincent Trocek centering Marty Natchez, and I'll say Nino Niederreiter for right now. Yeah, either him or Ryan Dezingle, I think. So there you Nino Niederreiter, with that, I guess we can do the, the reveal. Uh, that's probably our extra forward. Nino well, Niederreiter or Ryan Dezingle? Well, here's the thing. Uh, I would probably lean Dezingle on the second line, and I'll explain why, because I like Niederreiter with Stahl and Jesper Foss. Okay. I think that provides a little bit of a an offensive look. Niederreiter's a big body. Yep. Um, I like I like the look of that line, uh, and then I would go Fogel, Martinook or Geeky, really depending on what sort of look you want down the middle and Brock McGinn, or you could play Martinook on the right wing yep. as well and, uh, you know, swap out McGinn. That that fourth line's got some some interchangeable pieces, um, but I, I just I kind of like the way those lines look, at least on paper. I know when you're on the ice yep. and, uh, you know, things look a lot different, but to me that kind of, I like that look. For your reasoning, though, that's why I like Nino Niederreiter with Vincent Trocek and Marty Natchez, the bigger body who can go to the front of the net, deflect some shots, be there to, to be that net front presence for Trocek and for Natchez. Third line, Stahl, Fogel, and however, oh, I thought we actually had our friend here who was just yelling. Hi. It's outside of our door right now. What's going on? I don't know if you heard that or not. I didn't. What is distracted it? distracted me. Want me to find out? Yeah, there you go. Oh, something's happening. That's okay. All right. A lot of action going on here outside of my office. This is the busiest the arena has been in so, seven months. Got to get it ready. So back to that, you know, Stahl, Fogel, and then yep. Bost. Yep. So that's where I'd see that. And then Geeky centering Martinuk and McGinn. We know that that works. Uh, you can move Brock McGinn up. You can move Warren Fogel up or down. Uh, and again, Dezingle can play anywhere. Um, extra forwards are probably going to be between, what, Fogel, McGinn, Niederreiter, Dezingle. Yeah, I, there are a number that you can shuffle through. And I, it, and everybody's going to play just th- based yeah. on this schedule. That's the thing. I mean, when you when you have so many games in such a short period of time, if you have a winning lineup, uh, you're probably going to keep it. If you have a game where things don't go so well, maybe you make some changes because the turnaround time is, is that quick. Uh, so I, you're going to see everybody play. Um, we have similar lines, but... Yeah, uh, differs slightly. But again, it's we've also seen that Rod Brindamore and uh, Jeff Daniels, who runs the the forward group, they're not afraid to move guys up or down based on how they're going. Defensively, I think it's pretty simple. Uh, Dougie Hamilton, Jacob Slavin, Brady Shea, Brett Pesci, Jake Gardner, Hayden Flurry. Yep, I, and I really like that six. I think that's a good six. And Jake Bean will see time. Yeah, Jake Bean is the seventh. Definitely rotates in. Uh, and and looks to take that next step in his career, uh, and then in goal, obviously Mrazek and and Reimer and, and we already we already covered the the Ned thing from the great question from Nolan north of the border. So there you go, Rod. You can uh, take those lines from us and implement them. 
day one of training camp. Sure. And when you hoist the cup, just leave a little room there for do they do they do hashtag Kane's cast or do we get both of our names on it? Uh can we do all of the above? I would be for that, but I don't want to be greedy. <laughs> I'll go with names instead of okay. Kane's cast. I'm with you. Sorry, Kane's <laughs> cast. Uh here's a couple of questions via the old Twitter. Oh, by the way, thanks again. And anytime you do have a question, feel free to use the phone. Thank you. And let us know at 919-500-7819. That's 919-500-7819. 919-500-7819. Thank you. And you can then get your voice and question asked right here on Kane's Cast. Or you can go the conventional way via Twitter. And before you get to that, I've kind of enjoyed the voicemail segments. I've it's, loved them. It's nice to hear from our listeners who hear from us every week. So it's it's nice to uh, hear yeah. your questions, your thoughts on the season. Call us anytime. Questions, thoughts, yep. comments for the shows, whatever. Let us know. Loved it. Great change of pace for the show, too. We're always trying to evolve the podcast when we can. Because Lord knows that this can devolve quickly, uh, especially with one of the Twitter questions that is coming up. Okay. So... Uh, but Levi has sent us, Levi Washburn, at Levi Wash. With the new offside rule, will we see more high-hanging skates instead of toe drags? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, thank you. Right. Is long time coming. I mean, it was silly that that was the rule to begin with, that your skate had to be on the ice. Like, it just doesn't make sense. That um, uh, There was a goal at Madison Square Garden this year that the Hurricanes scored that got disallowed because Eric Hall's skate was off of the ice. Yes. But but it was clearly behind the blue line. Yeah, I mean it's or at least on, on the, the blue, blue line. line. Um there's no reason why that shouldn't have counted. They got it right based on the rules. I'm glad the rules have changed. I've again always went for maybe the simpler reason is the best thing to go with. If both skates are in front of the blue line, then it's offside. Yeah. Whether <laughs> they're in the air, on the ice. Yeah. Uh I don't know. If if the skates are above the head, this reason. whole thing that you could have one skate across the blue line, your other skate behind the blue line, but it's off the ice, you're offside. Your leg is still behind the blue line. Right, you're still your body is onside. <sighs> so I'm but glad. I'm, I'm I'm glad this rule happened. I hope that it doesn't create chaos. Hopefully, it solves a lot of the chaos. Yeah, I I don't, I don't see it creating chaos because you know, how many games Michael got reviewed and it's a millimeter off yeah, of the ice. I think this is going to be much easier to say. Well, okay, he's, he's clearly onside there. You don't even have to take into account you know where his skate is above the blue line. It's a simple plane. Should be an easy review. Yeah. Um. This one from quarantined Kaniac. Famous last words. Should be an easy review. <sighs> What is the, and you're going to have to answer this one, what is the TV schedule looking like? Which channels are the broadcast, and are the broadcasters traveling? TBD on the broadcast schedule. Uh, TBD also on start times for the schedule. I think all of that's uh, still coming. Sure. Yeah. The league wanted to get some dates out there first before the holidays, yep. times, broadcast information coming later. There you go. Uh, channel, to my knowledge, it's still where you've seen all of the games before. I know that there has been... A lot of questions of, I don't have cable, I don't have DirecTV. I don't have answers for you on that. I, I don't. That's Those are between the two entities. The powers that be. So I cannot fix anything for you. I appreciate the concern, and more importantly, that you want to watch. But I can't answer any of these questions. Yeah. I want to. I just, there's no answers. And sometimes 
I know it's tough for people, but sometimes the answer is I don't know. So like if when people say the only way I have to watch it is X or Y, why can't I watch it with Z? I, I can't make Z happen, so X and Y, the ball is in your court. If you don't want to go back to it, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Sesame so. Street. Letter of the day is X nice. or Y. Definitely not Z. Not Z. Nobody likes Z. No. No. Sorry to any of our listeners whose names begin with Z, like Zach, who called in with a question. Or in Canada, Zed. That's true. Great in Police Academy. And uh, get ready because this is where we say, if we haven't already, I think he's liked this episode, but let's say goodbye to Bill Berniston right now. This is Bill Berniston coming to you live from the Canes locker room. Jake Anderson, first attempt at Swedish pizza, leftover ham from Christmas with teriyaki pork tenderloin and pepperoni. When I uh, asked him via Twitter and the taste result, I'm taking it and not sending it right back. Bang. Our first, our first listeners, as far as we know, attempted Swedish pizza. Attempted Swedish pizza. We'll have to uh, get Jesper Foss to grade that attempt as well, since he is a connoisseur, I assume, of, of Swedish pizza. pizza. Well, he told us about it, so yes. Yeah. Says he misses it. I, I, uh, I like it. All right. I'm very happy for Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Louis Anderson? No. Didn't you ever see The Matrix? Yeah. That reference is lost on me. Trust me. You don't need to watch the second or third one. I don't plan on watching them. <laughs> Nor should you. <laughs> Sorry. It's like the Santa Claus. But you should watch The Mandalorian. Yeah, you should. We won't get into that now. No. Maybe we'll get into that for our a look back on 2020. Yeah, we'll do another episode this week. Uh, I like how you're putting a bow on it and putting it in the trash. Yeah. Oh, you got to dress it up to... Send it off. It's like a Viking funeral. Let's light it on fire and send it to the ocean. Just kick it right out into the ocean. Sayonara. All right. This, uh, so this next one will be coming from the Outer Banks. <laughs> Michael and I set 2020 adrift and ablaze. I'd be fine with that. Weather should be nice enough, I guess. Enough. I don't know. All right. Well, we'll figure that out when we have to get to it. But uh, thanks to Seth Jarvis, everybody else. Uh, all of the phone call questions, remember, 24-7. 365, you can call up with a question for Canescast, and uh, if it's good enough, and in Mike's, Michael Smith's world, if you've had enough Storm Brews, we'll definitely put it on. Well, maybe. We want to thank we Storm are, Brew. We are a family-friendly podcast. But it is a light, refreshing lager. It's crispy. It's crushable. It's 97 calories. How many carbs? 2.4. So you can get it at any grocery store. If they don't have it, ask for it by name. And they, of course, are the presenting sponsor of Kane's cast. And that's how we will say goodbye to episode 155 of the Kane's cast for the webs, Michael Smith and TV's Mike Meniscal. We will talk to you before new year's. Moi, moi. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to this <laughs> podcast.